podcast. My name is Casper McLeod and with me today is Eli Duxon. Eli, how the heck are you? Mate, very well. Very excited to uh, go through the round that was and the round today. So, Always a pleasure to have you on, mate. And can I just say, dear listener, you may notice a, a change in the sound quality. Hallelujah. I am sitting in my flat. I'm no longer sitting out on that stairwell made like fingers crossed knocking on wood like crazy that that's going to remain the case for the rest of this podcast who knows wi-fi here in australia is notorious for being iffy vodafone also notorious for being iffy so who knows fingers crossed but that's besides the point dear listener basically if you've never heard this podcast before never listened to an episode first of all welcome second Basically, the, the format is we split into three parts. First section is um, we discuss each our top two highlights and top two lowlights of the round that's just been. Um, then we discuss in the middle section four of the biggest talking points to come out of the previous round. And then in the third part, we give our tips for the weekend to come. Round seven, it was a monster round of football and we'll start off with our top two highlights and top two lowlights of the weekend. Eli, I'll let you start with this one. What were your top two highlights of round seven? Well, without being biased, um, my first one was uh, the way Brisbane played. Um, we absolutely killed the well, Port Adelaide power, but um, I'll, I'll, with, uh, I'll move on to my second one. Um, and that was Sunday Arvo at the MCG Essendon-Carlton and... I'm sorry to say, um, yeah, but your Dons, that was, uh, that was actually a fantastic game. Um, typically, like this blockbuster round, you had uh, Richmond Bulldogs, Brisbane Port, Geelong, Sydney, um, and normally Sunday, the more mundane fixtures. Um, but yeah, they both teams absolutely turned it on. The highest scoring game of the year. Um, and it was a much higher quality game than I think everyone thought, really. Um, the disposal was very good at times. Um, there's, there was usual clangers, but you get that in every single game. But um, it was just a really entertaining, good level, uh, good brand of footy. Um, I suppose the difference is between the higher quality teams, the great games are lower scoring because the defence is much better. Um, but it was great to see, I think it was 35 goals, which is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I had stuff to do on Sunday, but I just could not stop watching it. It was fantastic. It was a great game of football, of course, except for the result. It did eat away at me just a little bit inside. Always is the way whenever Carlton beat Essendon. But getting on to my top two highlights of the round, I'm also going to mention Brisbane. Brisbane are back officially. Before this, despite, you know, having a couple of good wins, they weren't super convincing Brisbane, you know, not quite to the same extent of the 2019-2020 Lions outfits, you know. They had that thrilling victory against Collingwood, but yet again, anyone who wins by under a goal, I think is very lucky. Lucky to beat the Pies. Yeah, sure, you beat Essendon, congratulations, but at the same time, Essendon are a bottom six team, and I say that as an Essendon supporter. Uh, beat Carlton. Yeah, okay, fair enough, but Carlton yet again aren't a bona fide finals contender yet. Port Adelaide are, and Port Adelaide at least consider themselves a premature contender, and I believe now it's four games in a row that the Lions have won against Port Adelaide. Um, and at least three of them have been very convincing. So you guys 
Port Adelaide are your bunnies. And it was yet another fantastic victory for you guys against Port Adelaide. Great win. My second highlight, I'm going to mention the other Queensland team, the Gold Coast Suns. Their fourth ever win at the MCG and their first ever win against Collingwood at the MCG. Full kudos to you, Gold Coast. All talk all week was about how Collingwood were going to come out. And Nathan Buckley, I believe, said beforehand they want to put pressure on the Suns. First goal for Gold Coast came within about 15 seconds of the game starting. And then first quarter, Collingwood, you know, took a little bit of control of the game. And instead of doing what the Suns in year previous, in years gone by, would have done, which were just, you know, kind of give up a little bit after being challenged to start a game, they fought back and they won comfortably. Listen, right, consider this. Consider saying this at the end of the 2019 season, that by the uh, right round seven, 2021, Gold Coast were going to beat Collingwood at the MCG, leaving the Pies with just one win and leaving the Suns with three wins. You probably would have been laughed at. You would have been laughed out of whichever establishment you were in. And they probably would have told you, you're probably drinking a little bit too much. Maybe had a little bit too much to drink. That absolutely fantastic effort from the Suns. Congratulations, fourth ever win and a great win to build upon for the rest of the year. Get on to the Suns later in the episode as well. Dear listener, if, if I or Eli cut out, we apologize. Again, Australian internet, what are you going to do about it? On to top two lowlights of the round. I'll start off with this one if that's all right, Eli. I thought awesome. Fremantle had a really good chance, really good chance to win their first derby since 2015. And yet they lost by, I think it's just under 10 goals in one of the most disgusting performances of the year. How on earth do you, I don't even know how to explain this performance. Oh, what did the Fremantle players just, you know, walk onto the ground thinking that the game was going to happen to them because the Eagles lost by just under a hundred points a week before. And they had a couple of injuries. If, if that is the case, and I don't know if that is the case, but if that was the case, that is unacceptable for a team that hadn't beaten the Eagles in 10 attempts before Sunday, now 11 attempts. Honestly, what gives you the right to think that you are just going to walk up and the Eagles are just going to lay over and just roll over and just let you walk all over them? If anything, you will allowed that to happen to yourself. That last quarter, three-quarter time, right? Consider this. Consider this, actually. Half time, right? Scores were level. This, right? I'm just looking at the scoreboard. Apparently, there were no scores in that third quarter. Huh, go figure. But... Only a couple of goals in it at three quarter time. And you're thinking, okay, you know, kind of a kind of a close game. Could be, you know, maybe Fremantle on in the last quarter. And West Coast kicked nine goals in the last quarter. Game over. An annihilation. And all of a sudden, all that goodwill that Fremantle had been building up over the last few weeks just completely crashes down. And any Fremantle supporters listening out there, I feel so sorry for you. Right, I feel so sorry for you. Because yeah, sure, Essendon, we lost to Carlton, but that was our second loss in a row to Carlton. 
not our tenth loss in a row to Carlton. I don't even want to imagine such a horrible thing as losing 10 games in a row to Carlton. That honestly, that might be a sign of the apocalypse. Like bring on the second coming, if that's the case. But I just feel sorry for Fremantle supporters. They must be thinking, when are we going to get a win against the Eagles? Second low light, I thought that the Crows were really disappointing. And it feels like that impressive start to the year where they won three out of their first four games kind of faded a little bit. You know, now it's got three losses in a row. And the most recent one, a massive 11-goal loss to the Giants. And just looking at some of the statistics, they got hammered in some key statistics. They lost the clearances by 24. They lost the stoppage clearances by 20. You're not going to win a game of football. You're not going to be competitive, let alone win a game of football with that. They lost the marks by 36. But here's the thing for me. They lost the tackles by 19. I'm just checking out the disposals. They lost the tackles by 19 and they lost the disposals by 61. How do you lose both of those categories by that much? Serious question. How do you get hammered by that much in both the disposal count and the tackle count in the same game? That to me speaks of a lack of effort. Additionally, right, despite, despite that, despite that, looking at this, right, yeah, sure, it would have been a bad loss regardless of what the margin was, but the margin could have been a lot closer. Four goals, 15, four goals, 15. This reminds me a bit of the Swans game where, yeah, they lost comfortably, but it could have been a heck of a lot closer. And I'm not saying that the Crows would have won this game. The Giants missed a lot of goals too. But I'm just saying this was a bad game from Adelaide from every single perspective. At the pole face, in front of goals, Defending is just an awful game. And to lose at home like that must just suck the oxygen out of out of a club and potentially out of the season as well. How about you, Eli, your top two low lights out of round seven? Yeah, just echoing that as well, just insipid defensive pressure, really. And that probably uh, goes on to my first low light, and that was probably Collingwood. Um, take nothing away from Gold Coast. They were fantastic, but um, they were just comprehensively outplayed. They led way far too many uncontested possessions and they've lost the marks count by a lot. Um, it just shows that Gold Coast, they, they were really, really temperamental in their attacks. Um, they showed that against Brisbane in the preseason. They, When they really wanted to control the game, they could. And that's what they did uh, on Saturday. Um, There's no defensive urgency from the 22 players um, as a whole for Collingwood. Um, obviously, some uh, players kept showing it, but... Um, I think we keep talking about, or people keep talking about the uh, the forward half of Collingwood. And um, I think Jordan Legault has been in the spotlight recently for his lack of defensive pressure. And I think fair enough too. It's all well and good with the teams on top in 2018. He had a great season. I uh, saw so it looked. Um, but yeah, it's, it's easy to look like a superstar when your team's winning really. So um, I think if they didn't have Brody Majacek, it could have been a very big loss. And he had a great game. Uh, four goals, two, 24 disposals. I think it was 12 marks. Um yeah, without him, they're in a really big hole and a four-goal loss. Um, it's, it's still, you've, you've been beaten comfortably. You mentioned anything less than a goal is lucky, and I tend to agree with that, but um, you lose by four goals, you've lost that game. Um, but my next low light, I, I can't say it's a, exactly a low light, but it was probably Melbourne's first half. 
they were down by 19 points at, at halftime to North Melbourne, um, literally bottom and top of the ladder. Um, and while they came out in the second half and they they did so well um, to sort of, I don't know, ooze out a five-goal win, um, and probably they, they certainly deserved it in the end. Um, that first half, they probably just took it a bit easy. They rolled up, rolled down to Tassie, um, thinking it was going to be an easy victory. And uh, I think credits to North Melbourne as well. Like they, they scored you know, 69 points and a half. That's a that's a good half of football. Um, and as is 50. Um, but you, you can't just go all out attack and not defend. And um, we see that in the NBA all the time. There's such high scoring games. You've had a great offensive game, but you still leaked, you've leaked more. And uh, when you think about footy, it's a simple game. It's what you do when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, when the ball's in dispute. And to win the game, you've just got to score more. So, um, yeah, they were probably poor defensively in that first half and um, just came from a lack of effort and intent as well, which I think always happens when you when you uh, lose a game. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that was quite um, probably flattering for North Melbourne. But, yeah, it was, it was quite good to see. It's good for the competition too, I think. Great from the competition. Speaking of uh, Collingwood, let's get into the main talking points to come out of round seven. And Eli, we'll start off with Nathan Buckley and the Pies. Is it all right? I'm going to get, I'm going to start with this one. Is that all right with you, Eli? Um, of course. Thank you. Uh, this game against North Melbourne is the biggest game that Collingwood, uh, that Collingwood will play and Collingwood has played since the uh, since the start of the season, right? And forget Adam Trelaw versus Collingwood in round one. Forget Carlton versus Collingwood in round two. Forget Anzac Day against the Bombers in round six. This is the biggest game of Collingwood's season for a couple of reasons. Number one, Collingwood's draw after this North Melbourne game gets a lot tougher. They play the Swans in Sydney. They host Port Adelaide. They host Geelong. They play the Crows at the Adelaide Oval. Who knows what the Crows are going to be like by the time that game starts. And then they had the Queen, Queen's birthday game against Melbourne at the MCG. That's a tricky, tricky, tricky lot of matches coming up. And that was why the last two games against Essendon and Gold Coast were so important for Collingwood to win. And as you just mentioned, they lost both of those games by four goals. And as you just mentioned, a four-goal loss is a pretty comfortable loss. Like, you lost that game, you have no right to complain about umpiring or anything like that, although knowing Collingwood fans, undoubtedly there were people who were complaining about goal umpires. Yes, I know, Anthony McDonald tip and Woody's goal was out of bounds, but so what? But guess what? So was Jamie Elliott in 2015. But that's besides the point. If they lose to North Melbourne, you look at Nathan Buckley and you think there's no possible way that he stays beyond 2021. Heck, beyond the bye even. Rightly or wrongly, coaches are normally the ones that get the blame for a team playing poorly. For me, right, whether or not that's fair on Nathan Buckley will well, you know, maybe we can discuss it. Buckley, to me, he seems to be a little bit lost at the moment, right? To put Darcy Moore, their best defender, 
forward and yet doesn't put them back when they're conceding a run of goals, whether it's, whether it's against West Coast, whether it's against Essendon, whether it's against Gold Coast. And I know that some of the best coaching decisions of all time have been made because a coach has you know, switched defenders forward or have put forwards down back, right? Think of Kevin Sheedy against Hawthorne in the 84 grand final in that last quarter. That's the reason why we won that game, but it's not working. You've had three weeks to try it out and it's not working. And now you're going to be coming up against, granted, after North Melbourne, Buddy Franklin, possibly Logan McDonald. You're coming up against Charlie Dixon and Port Adelaide, Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron in Geelong after that, Taylor Walker in Adelaide. And then you come up against Melbourne, whose tolls are absolutely dominating every single opponent that they play. To be honest with you, here's what I think Collingwood should do. And it, it pains me to say this as a Sydney Swans supporter, but here's what Collingwood should do. Buckley should coach until the bye. And then Collingwood should let him go. For the rest of the year, give the interim job to Harvey, Robert Harvey, and immediately get on the phone to Paul Roots. See what he's doing. See what he's up to. Because Paul Roos works so well with teams in Collingwood's position, which is nowhere. Collingwood is going nowhere currently. And you need someone like Paul Roos, who is uh, who's a premiership winning coach, finals experience, right? Help the Swans after Rocket Eid to achieve premiership success and help to lay the foundations at Melbourne that we are now seeing the demons reap the rewards of. And it pains me to say this as a Swan supporter because the idea of Paul Roos wearing black and white just makes me shudder. It makes me shudder. But that's what Collingwood I think needs to do. And I'm sorry, Nathan Buckley. I know Nathan Buckley said that he wants to coach beyond 2021. And I know that there are going to be a lot of Collingwood supporters who want Nathan Buckley to stay. But 10 years without a flag and to start one and six. And some people might say, well, what about Damien Hardwick? Yeah, Damien Hardwick didn't wait 10 years to win a premiership. Consider this. Damien Hardwick started coaching just two seasons before Nathan Buckley, and yet he has three premierships already. I'm just saying it might be time for Bucks to go. What about you, Eli? Yeah, probably tend to agree. Um, I've always defended coaches when things aren't going well for the, uh, within the footy club um, because obviously there could be other issues in terms of list management um, and just player effort and intent. But I think, yeah, 10 years is too long maybe and I think the fans probably deserve something refreshing. Um they had 2018, which was obviously very disappointing for them, but they haven't quite reached that level of play since. They've showed glimpses, but you've never felt um, truly convinced that they are a genuine threat for the flag. And you thought they would be this year, maybe not for the flag, but at least be competing for the top eight. Um, but right now, you couldn't even imagine it. You, the, the, the odds you'd get if you placed the bet would be unbelievable. Um, and I just couldn't even see it ever 
being likely to pay out. So um, I think I'll be surprised if they did cut him in the position that they are in as a footy club this season um, without having a direct replacement like a Robert Harvey, um, which I think will be a very good replacement because I do believe he put his hand up for a coaching role last year. Um, I forget where, but um, yeah, I think they would really need a genuine feel like a replacement to come straight in if they were to let him go just to uh, provide some stability for the fans. Uh, Cause obviously it was a terrible off season and it has nothing to do with the fans, nothing to do with them. It's been poor management, uh, poor list management, a poor salary management um, that led to the off season that they had. Um, so yeah, it's easy to point fingers at the coach, but I do believe that it is time for yeah fans to uh, see that they're heading in a new direction. Um, I think Essendon did that well with uh, Worthold and having the uh, succession plan with Rutten. Um, and I think it gave fans maybe just something to look forward to, you know, thinking, well, okay, well, it's going to turn at some point. Um, Rutten had the control for most of the last season, but then this preseason was the first time he had full control. And now you're seeing Essendon play some good footy. It might not reflect it so much in the ladder, but um, if you're an Essendon fan, you've got, you've got a lot of things to be excited about with young players coming through. So I think, that's what Buck should plan to do for the rest of the season. Just keep letting the young players like he is. Uh, it's good to see Paul to debut on the weekend. He's, he's going to be an absolute superstar. Um, so, yeah, they got another young fella, Ollie Henry, who's probably ready to, to come up. He's been playing very well in the VFL. He had 22 disposals and a few goals over the weekend. Um, so, yeah, they've got a lot of talent there. If they can keep letting him um, and actually get him get him some game time, not like Jay Rantel and... Uh, uh, drop him after a game. That's just not fair. Um, you've got to uh, show some faith, keep it consistent, maybe get some get some senior players who aren't quite pulling their weight um, and really show fans that you're heading in a positive direction and give them something to look forward to. So um, I think that should be the plan for the remainder of this season and then going forward. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more, Eli. On to a question, which um, I think is very interesting. I uh, saw this on Fox Sports, they reckon that the top eight is locked into place for the rest of the season. Just to mention the teams currently in the top eight, you've got Melbourne, the Dogs, Power, Sydney, Geelong, Richmond, Brisbane, and West Coast. And just outside the top eight, you've got Fremantle and Knights, the Suns, Giants, and then Carlton. Just to ask your opinion, Eli, are the top eight teams locked in the finals now obviously the positioning exactly within the eight had to be kind of finalized in your opinion can a team from outside the top eight jump up into the top eight and stay there and if so who do they replace yeah it's a tough question i think it is entirely possible that a team can make it in there um before the season the only change i probably would have had would have been st kilda um but so far they haven't quite been convincing enough um, they've been outstanding the last couple of weeks. Um, oh, sorry, last I think they've done recently, but yeah, no, so they're outstanding over the weekend. So it's good to see them um, playing some positive footy again. But um, who they come in for, I really don't know. The only team I could probably think of would be West Coast, um, but I think that's unfair to them because they've still got such a good list uh, full of some really good veterans um, and and some good sort of a good blend of youth as well. You look at Waterman and Allen in there. Uh, Rotham hasn't played that many games, but he's looked fantastic. Um, so I think they could slide out, um, but I wouldn't bank on them staying in the bottom eight for long. I think, yeah, the top eight should be set um, at this point of the season. 
Um, but the competition's so even. Um, it's hard to be certain at this point, um, and it's hard to be certain even in round 15. Um, so, yeah, I think like it's great for the competition that you've got so many teams competing. And um, But the thing with St Kilda, there's still five teams ahead of them uh, that on the ladder. So if, if they were to jump up, they'd have to play some good footy to really get there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do agree that it probably is set. Um, and I would be surprised if teams were to drop out of that eight because it's a very strong eight at this point. How about this for a potential swap? Eagles slip out, the Giants get back in. I'll make the point for the Giants and say that their remaining uh, matches, honestly, they, they look... They look doable. They look winnable, these games. You know, they play Richmond in Melbourne, but that's at Marvel Stadium. So all of a sudden the MCG gets taken away from Richmond's invincibility and you play them at Marvel Stadium, a ground where the Tigers don't often play at. You know, it's almost like a neutral ground in a sense. They play the Eagles, but that's in Sydney and the Eagles struggle to play outside of WA. They play the Kangaroos down in Tasmania, should win that. The only games that I'm looking at in their draw, and I'm thinking they can't win, not giving them any chance at all. They play Melbourne, I'm sorry, they play Brisbane in round 11 at the Gabba. I don't think they're going to win that. They play Melbourne at the MCG in round 16, not going to win that. And they play Geelong. Round 21 down in Geelong. I don't think they're going to win that. But looking at the remaining, the other games, there's a lot of winnable games here for the Giants. They could really get on a run and they could make, they could return to finals after what was a disappointing 2020. The only thing that I think is not going to help them are the injuries. Just so many injuries. If they can stop the injury rot somehow, pray to whichever injury God they have to, they can easily make finals football. Let me ask you another question there, Eli. Uh, can the Suns launch a serious push towards September action this year? Absolutely. They certainly can. And they showed on the weekend that they're really starting to get a good blend of performances uh, from the whole team. Um, they're not relying on those few players to kick goals and they're not relying on those few players to absolutely dominate the middle. Um, they're not relying on Sam Collins to to really try and uh, lift things off. So. Um, Alice, uh, guys like Brendan Alice, Tuke Miller, Hugh Greenwood, they've been fantastic. They've really been setting up uh, the side and um, with a good blend of the young players like uh, Ben King, Noah Anderson, um, Jack Bowes are really starting to play some good, consistent footy. Uh, so it's exciting to see for them because they were close a few seasons ago. I think when Gary Ablett was there, they were sort of pushing, um, but they haven't really looked like it since. Um, and again, they showed glimpses last year. Um, I remember last time I was on, we did discuss how they would go without Matty Rao, but I think they showed that they're going to be a threat um, to any team on any given day. And they're not going to roll over. They've got great defensive pressure. They're very clean by foot um, and they're young and exciting. They play good brand of footy. So um, they certainly can push. Um, and I think it's just going to be up to them whether they maintain that intent um, and consistency for the remainder, remainder of the season. Um, and I think they can. And I'm sure they've got the belief now. They would have been disappointed with how they finished last season. Um, so I think they've really got that belief and that hunger to really kick through the rest of the season and, and uh, have a good push for finals. We've seen the Suns at their best so far this year. 
and we've seen them at their worst. And their best is pretty good. He crushed the Swans, took care of business against North, and beat Collingwood at the MCG convincingly. But their worst is really bad. Like, it's really, really, really bad. Their worst harkens back to the days of 2015 to 2017 under Rocket Eid, where they were barely, barely, barely competitive for the majority of those three seasons. Nothing against Rocket Eid, of course. Other problems at the Suns at the time. But nevertheless, that first half against the Dogs, I was watching that and I was thinking, has this club actually improved at all? during the last 10 years? Has it, has it improved at all? And instead of improving the last 10 years, they've improved the last two weeks. So the question is, as you mentioned, can they be consistent? Can they build on the next two, uh, on the last two games going forward? Their upcoming slate of matches is, you know, it's, it's, it's doable. You know, some of these games, they got the Saints at Metricon Stadium. St. Kilda, the last three games, against the Suns, a four-point win, a four-point win, and a one-point win. Now, I don't want to jinx the Gold Coast, and I don't want to jinx St. Kilda, but this sounds potentially like the beginning of the next Kenneth curse. How many games in a row can the Saints win just barely beating out the Suns? Hmm. After that, they played the Lions at the Gabba. Q clashes are normally close games, but... Brisbane should win that. Geelong, down in Geelong. I don't think the Suns are going to win that. But then they play Hawthorne in the Northern Territory against the you know, Victorian club who are worse than them, not used to the climate up there. And granted, the Suns aren't either, but they're closer to Darwin than Hawthorne are. Suns should win that one. Then they play the Dockers, the Power, and then the Kangaroos. They could win four of those games, the Suns. Head into round 16 with a good launching pad to launch towards September. But I'm not convinced just yet. I'm not convinced because we have seen them fade. After a bright start, a couple of good wins early, fade horribly. Throughout the, throughout the remainder of the season. Been the same 2018, 2019, 2020. You know, it's almost like somebody has walked up to the dimmer switch and just dimmed the lights, right? After such a bright start. Until they can prove to me that they can win matches past round 11, round 12, I'm not convinced that they are ready for finals just yet. But if they can do that, then the next thing that they got to do is raise their they raise their floor because their ceiling is high but their floor is too low. They got to they got to raise their floor a little bit, right? They've got to stop having games of football like they did against the Dogs. So for me, I'm looking at the Suns. I'm looking at their upcoming slate of games. And I'm thinking it's a possibility, but it's not a probability. I don't think they're going to do it but they should at least finish in the middle six bracket for the first time I think since 2014 and full kudos to them. Massive improvement on last season already, the Suns. Next question. This one. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this question. Mm. 
Are the Tigers already a lock for the top four, Eli? Well, you start off with this one. No, they're not a lock, but you would certainly expect to see them there at the end of the year. Um, like I said before, with the top eight, the competition's so even, and especially in that top four bracket, um, it's probably going to be something that comes down to percentage, which would be really exciting. Um it's always good to see that another year. And now with the rolling fixture, now I'm sure the AFL is going to do, Travis Ord and his team are going to do the best they can to make it an exciting finish. So I, I certainly do expect that to be seen at the end of the year. And it's just too hard to tell at this point. Um, Melbourne's show uh, sort of separated from the pack a little bit. They're again clear at the top now. Um, but even then, they're still not out of reach for any team in that top eight. The three games clear, but... Um, they could very easily drop uh, some of the games going forward. I think they've got um, uh, Richmond and Bulldogs coming up. So um, I certainly would expect them to be uh, tough games. So, sorry, not Richmond. They've already versed Richmond, but um, they've got the Bulldogs coming up. So that could be an absolute blockbuster. Um, so, yeah, I don't think any team is a lock at this stage in any position of the ladder. So, um yeah, I think history tells us that they probably will be there, but um, at round seven or going into round eight, it's yeah, certainly too tough to tell. This might be um, might be the kiss of death for Richmond's top four hopes to say this. You know, the commentators curse. Oh, yeah, no, he'll kick this. He always kicks goals from here. Doesn't he's miss. Shanking out of bounds on the full. This might be one of those moments. And in that case, sorry in advance, Richmond supporters. But they should make the top four from here. I'm looking at the teams above them. They're currently sixth on the ladder. I'm taking a look at the the teams above them. Port Adelaide can't win against contenders away from home. So they're vulnerable to drop out of the top four. The Bulldogs, really good team. But with the exception of the first half against Gold Coast and playing against the rabble that is North Melbourne, the Dogs can't score. Their defense is fantastic, but the dogs can't kick a high enough score, I think, to really challenge the Tigers. We saw that on Friday night. We saw that despite the dogs holding Richmond to just a couple of goals in the first half, Richmond's firepower proved too strong for the dogs. The dogs are vulnerable. Sydney, exciting team, but a young team. They're vulnerable to drop down. And Geelong, with the exception of the win against West Coast, have you seen a least convincing premiership contender ever than Geelong in 2021 so far? I doubt it. I can't think of anyone. Brisbane sitting just below Richmond. Yeah, Brisbane could make the top four. Brisbane could make the top four. I think, I think Brisbane will make the top four. But aside from the Demons, the Lions, I can't see any other team in the top eight or just outside the top eight preventing Richmond from finishing inside the top four. And knowing knowing everybody's luck, of course, the Tigers will probably finish third once again, win the qualifying final yet again, win the prelim, and then go on to win the grand final in a canter because that's the world that we live in. It's a world dominated by Richmond. Remember the good old days when Richmond were, you know, the lovable losers and Richmond supporters, right? Humor me for a second, okay? 
I'm happy for you that you guys are winning the flag. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you guys. You know, 37 years is a long time to go without tasting premiership success. But man, the competition used to be, you know, a little bit more enjoyable, it used to be not as predictable. You know what I mean? Every single year, there was a point of the last few seasons, there's been a point midway through the year where you've gone, ugh, it's going to be the Tigers again. And with the exception of 2018, we've been right. <laughs> and to me, that was Friday night. For me, looking at the game against the Dogs, that was Friday night football because Richmond took what until that point had been the best team in the competition and made them in that second half look mediocre. And this is the scary thing about it. Richmond normally, you know, turn their magic on, you know, two thirds of the way through the year. You know, they win the last 10 or 12 games in a row and then win the flag. But they're doing this now. That's what's so impressive. The question is, can the aging bodies of their stars keep up with it? Cochin once again injured, out for a little bit, Dusty out. Hopefully we'll be back this weekend, uh, possibly against Geelong or next weekend against the Giants. That's the only, that's the, the injuries are the only way I think that Richmond don't finish in the top four this year. That's just that's just the way I look at it. Mm. Moving on to a less depressing topic than a Richmond three-peat. On to the round eight predictions for this weekend. I am excited for this round, Eli. There's going to be a lot of blockbuster games. Now, unfortunately, I am sitting in the stairwell and I left my phone upstairs where I wrote down the margins. So you're gonna forgive me for making up margins that are different from what I had originally written down, but nevertheless, starts off on Friday night football, Richmond versus Geelong at the MCG. I am so excited for this one. I Should cannot be cracker. wait. I cannot wait. It's gonna be an absolute blockbuster. With the exception of um, game midway through 2019. I can't remember which round it was in. It was in round like 13, maybe round 11, when the Cats won by 67 points. Since the start of 2018, these two teams have played every almost every single game that played against each other, been a blockbuster. And this is going to be no different. Eli, can the Cats finally, finally put the doubt to rest? in the mind of people like me by beating the Tigers? Or will the Tigers once again prove too good for Geelong? Yeah, I've got the Cats winning this one. Um, I think that Ooh. them, yeah, yeah, I think them winning, uh, them beating West Coast that comfortably uh, was really good for the group, especially having Jeremy Cameron back. Um, I think with a couple of games now, uh, with him and Hawkins working together, they're going to really start to build some chemistry and um, they're going to get some really good timing with their leads coming forward and they've got some great boys delivering it. Um, I feel like if they can work through that, uh, that Richmond defence from halfback, uh, I think they could be really damaging, um, especially if you've got Jeremy Cameron leading up too. It's another marking target for him, another quality one of that too. So, um, they, sure, they lost to Sydney. Um, that was a way. Could they have won that game? Well, yeah quite easily um, if they kick some goals earlier in the game that they that they missed or 
of course, you have some contentious umpiring calls go your way. Um, but Sailor V, Karma hit him. Um, I'm not disappointed at all being a Brisbane fan. But um, yeah, I think John win this by five points. Should be a cracking game. Um, but yeah, it can go the way, Casper. Yeah, what are you thinking for this one? Uh, Sailor V, indeed. Uh, I think it's going to be the Tigers. Look, Geelong, I'm still not convinced. You know, they had one really good game. It wasn't even a, a you know a complete game. It was an awesome last three quarters. But that first quarter, the Eagles were leading at quarter time. Keep in mind, they were actually trailing at quarter time Geelong in that one before kicking 10 goals in just an awesome second quarter. That Mitch Duncan goal from 50 meters out. Oh, you see the way that that bent back. Oh, goodness gracious me. It is skills like that that make football fans weep with joy and make our game the best game in the world. The Tigers, I think, are doing something that they haven't done during this dynasty for them. And that is play great football early in the year. Now, whether or not what that does to them later on in the season, where they normally peak, we'll find out. Are they peaking too early? I don't know. But I'm not convinced that if they are peaking too early, that the wave is going to stop. I think Richmond's going to win. It's going to be close. I think Richmond by two goals. Interesting little tidbit here. Uh, round 20, 2018, was, the, uh, was an incredible round. Five out of the nine games decided by a goal or less incredible round of football. I think it was the first time in the history of the VFL AFL where you had five games in the same round decided by a goal or less. Could this be round 20, 2018, part two? It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. The first four games of this round, eight, are all toss-ups, including this one. But I think the Tigers are gonna to be too strong. On to Saturday afternoon football. This is going to be a good game of football too. The Giants versus the Bombers at Giants Stadium. Giants finally back at their home ground, primary home ground in Sydney uh, after being there in round one. Can the Giants win yet again and win their, would be their fourth in a row? Can they win their fourth? No, it won't be their fourth in a row. Can they win their second in a row? Forgot they lost to the Dogs a couple of weeks ago. Or can the Bombers bounce back? Yeah, I've got GWS winning this one by three goals. Um, I think Essendon will show some fight, um, even being away from home. Like they showed that against Sydney. Um, the, I don't think the where the game's being played affects them at all. So I think they will show, but GWS will just be too strong in the end. Um Everyone's been quick to sort of jump off GWS and me included too. They haven't really showed enough to to make you think that they are the same team that they were a couple of years ago. Um, but they've still got some stars in their team and Toby Green is just playing some fantastic footy and he just re-signed as well. So um, I'd expect GWS to be up and about for this one. Um, and yeah, they'll win this. It'll be a comfortable win, but it reflected on the score, but I think they'll dominate the game. But yeah, three goals for them. I'm tipping the Bombers by seven points. I can't not tip the Bombers. <laughs> I can't not tip the Bombers. Look, Essendon in close games so far this year has been on the uh, wrong end so far of all those close games. All right, just a 
point against Hawthorne. Heartbreaker, right? Absolute heartbreaker. Four point loss against the Swans. Yet again, another heartbreaker. 16 point loss against the Blues. Less of a heartbreaker, but at the same time, more of a heartbreaker because it was against Carlton. I think surely our luck will turn in this department. I mean, surely. How many close games in a season can a team lose? Don't, by the way, any, any Essendon players listening to this, don't take that as a challenge, okay? I beg you, don't take that as a challenge. <laughs> but I think Essendon will win. The Giants, they've been great. But how long can a young team hold a winning streak for? You know, hold a, hold a winning run for? With that dog's loss in the middle, they won four out of the last five, the Giants. I think they're due for another loss. Bombers to win. On to the other game Saturday afternoon. Gold Coast versus St. Kilda at Metricon Stadium. Eli, last three games, as mentioned before, Saints by four points, Saints by four points, Saints by one point. Can the Suns finally overcome St. Kilda or will it be yet another heartbreaker for them? Yeah, I've got the Suns winning this one. Um, first of all, uh, I'm a bit flat about there being two Saturday Arvo games because I would absolutely love the Thursday night game. I'm not sure what the AFL has gone away from that and they have for the next um, the rest of the fixtured rounds they have up. So I'm not sure what the uh, thinking behind that move is. Um, but yeah, I've got Gold Coast winning this one uh, by 10 points. Um, I think they'll be up and about after last week. They'll be confident. Um, and St Kilda will be confident too. They had a good win, but... They haven't done it for long enough, I don't think, this season for them to genuinely feel like they are playing their best footy. Um, so, yeah, I've got Gold Coast winning this one by 10 points. I've got the Suns winning as well. Finally, Gold Coast will beat the Saints, but it'll be a close one. I'm tipping the fortunes to be reversed and the Suns to win by two points. Brendan Ellis, his 200th game, and Sean Lemons, I believe, his 100th game. I think the Suns are going to do it for them. It's going to be an absolute rip curler. And the Saints are going to feel the agony of a close defeat. Finally, the shoe will be on the other foot. On to what I think is quite possibly the most exciting game. Or at least the game that I've been looking forward to the most in a long, long time. North Melbourne versus Collingwood at Marvel Stadium. Eli... Can Collingwood avoid the, no offense, North Melbourne supporters, embarrassment of losing to the Kangaroos, losing to the 18th place side, or will North Melbourne finally taste victory? Got to admit, this is the game I've been looking forward to the most as well. It's uh, going to be an interesting, interesting outcome, I think. And I do have North Melbourne winning this one um, by 12 points. I think it's, you're going to see the character. Um, of both sides um, and the way they respond. So Collingwood's obviously responding to a lot of hatred in the media um, and from their own fans too, admittedly. Um, so I think it'll be, if they don't respond this week, I can't say them responding very well at all. If they lose to the bottom side, um, it's going to be just a terrible week for them and possibly a terrible uh, remaining 15, 16 weeks for them. So uh, yeah, if I, I, can't, I can't say them coming out flat, it's a must win for them, but equally North Melbourne, they, they would have been disappointed with their second half um, throughout the last quarter, letting North Melbourne, they, they still did quite well for the day. Disappointed with, so 
I think it'd be good for them confidence-wise knowing that they were up to it and they are up to it to go with the best in the competition right now. So I think this is a really good chance for them to get their first win on the board. Um, and again, talking about character, um, the character of that young group, knowing how close they were against the top side, um, if their belief isn't as high as it can possibly be right now, um, I would be very surprised. So um, I expect North Melbourne to win this one based on uh, the jubilance of getting their first win on the board. Wow. Boy, oh boy, wowee, as a particular football commentator. <laughs> I like to say a lot. Uh, this game, if Collingwood fans, if Collingwood lose this, Collingwood fans might burn down Victoria Park. 100%. They, 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 might, they might do that. They, they could very well do that. The entire suburb of Collingwood will be in disarray. Uh, as long as they leave Easy's Burger Restaurant, then happy days. Yeah, absolutely. Avoid Smith Street. Okay, lots of great restaurants and clubs and bars around that area, right? You know what? I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited. I shouldn't be this giddy about a football team being as in a horrible position as they are as Collingwood, but I am because it's Collingwood. Uh, I'm tipping North Melbourne to win, and I'm tipping them by three goals. Can Collingwood win this? Absolutely. I could totally see Collingwood winning this. I could see Collingwood winning this by 50 points. Agreed. Maybe I can, right? But this game just shapes up to me. I just have a gut feeling about this, right? I just have a gut feeling about this game. It, it was the same gut feeling that I had about Gold Coast beating West Coast early in 2020, which I predicted correctly. Thank you very much. Um, this game spells danger, danger, danger for those in black and white. If they lose this, Buckley doesn't see out the season, I think. And I think senior players either will retire or go to other clubs. So maybe it might be the loss that Collingwood need to have. North Melbourne, interestingly enough, the first father versus son clash in the same AFL-BFL game since I think 1989, if I remember the stat properly, and funnily enough, it's only happened a handful of times beforehand. Collingwood and North Melbourne have been involved, if not in the same game, then at least one of those teams have been involved in every single one of those games, including the one on, on Saturday. And every single one of them, the Sun has come out on top. So maybe with Sun John Noble taking on David Noble, the dad, North Melbourne head coach, maybe, maybe we should tip Collingwood. But then yet again, streaks are meant to be broken and so i think this week it will be the hashtag dads who will get the win on the suns should be an interesting game nevertheless <laughs> and i'm excited i'm gonna i'm gonna be hanging around right oh i can't hang around on saturday but if i could hang around on saturday in melbourne then i would be up there at marvel stadium just standing outside just listening to the crowd just listening to the crowd. And I suspect that with about two minutes ago, there'll be a sea of black and white leaving the arena, trying to catch the early train back home. Glorious. Anyways, sorry, Collingwood fans, moving on. We'll leave you alone. Melbourne versus Sydney at the MCG. Uh, Eli, can the Ds keep their remarkable streak going or can the Swans bring their second upset in a row? 
I expect Melbourne to keep it going. Um, I think they're going to win by four goals. Um, again, it could be a lot closer, and I'd love it for, bit, for it to be a lot closer. But um, yeah, I think uh, Melbourne's going to—they're going to really step it up a notch. They came out a bit relaxed against North Melbourne, like I alluded, alluded to earlier. Um, so yeah, I think they would have got a real sort of kick up the backside with that. Uh, and they, they're not going to take Sydney lightly because Sydney have proven, um, like they did to my Lions in round one, that they, they're very capable of playing some great footy and sustaining it too. So um, I do expect Sydney to really put up a good fight. And even if they got up, I would not be surprised at all. But um, I'm thinking Melbourne will come out quite strong and win by four goals in the end. Yeah, I'm tipping the Demons too. There's no weakness in the Melbourne lineup. You know, their forward line is beautiful. Their back line is beautiful. Well, I mean, everyone is beautiful and everything is beautiful. you got to have a positive outlook on things. But I mean, they're... Love they're, you, Rose. Yes. Yeah, their their team, right, is just perfect from front to back, just absolutely flawless. It's immaculate, the Melbourne machine so far. Will they lose a game this year? Yeah, of course. Only once before in history has a team gone through a season completely without a loss. And that was Collingwood all the way back in the late 20s, early 30s, during the days of the Collingwood machine when they won four in a row. Hey, Collingwood supporters, last time that your team was an actual dynasty was all the way back in the 1920s into the 30s. How does that feel? Anyways, just 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 want to point that out. Anyways. What if the Great Depression happened around that time? <laughs> great, great, great comment. Right, now that makes a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited for this one. Uh, but I think Melbourne's going to win. Great to have Buddy Franklin hopefully back. Uh, fingers crossed that he'll be back for the Swans. But yeah, Melbourne's going to be too strong. On to the showdown in Adelaide on Saturday night. Port Adelaide, will they wear their prison bar jumper or will they not wear their prison bar jumper? If they do, then regardless of who wins, the points might go to the Crows regardless or maybe the AFL will just take away the points and nobody wins. I don't know. But the AFL has threatened to deduct the points from Port Adelaide if they do win their uh, wear their prison bar jumper against the Crows, which I think is a little bit ridiculous. And honestly, Collingwood, what the hell does it matter to you? Seriously, what does it matter to you? North Melbourne has a very similar jumper to you, and yet you don't hear Collingwood complaining about North Melbourne wearing their blue and white striped jumper. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Port Adelaide, wear the jumper if you want to, and if the league deducts your points, then you know what I say? Make the finals anyways, win the premiership, and it'll be the ultimate, yeah, well, how about that, to the league. On to the game itself. Port Adelaide versus Adelaide. Normally close showdowns. Eli, will this one be close? Yeah, I don't think so. I couldn't see it being close. This is one of my few blowout games that I'll probably predict to this one. Um, I've got the winning by six goals, Port Adelaide. Um, not that that's a blowout, but I think I'm just being conservative here and uh, giving a bit of a bit of hope for Adelaide because it could very well be more, but Adelaide could very well show that yeah maybe they do have some ticker, you know, and uh, it'd be good to see uh, Big Tex and Charlie Dixon up either end, uh, really firing for the big power forwards because it's been great to see them back this year. Um, and but yeah, well, the prison bar Guernsey, uh, I agree with you. I don't see the the problem with them wearing it, and I think them losing four points is probably a bit far. Albeit they did have an agreement, so I can understand the AFL stance on it. 
Um, but yeah, it could be a bit of a whose line is whose line is it anyway situation where the points don't matter. So um, yeah, I think Port Adelaide win this game quite comfortably, but I do hope it's a good game because yeah, like you said, Adelaide were embarrassed at home last week um, over the weekend. Sorry, so um, yeah, I really hope for their sake and their fans' sake that um, they do put up a good fight and have a good game for the for the good for good uh, fixture slot. Yep, I uh, the Crows are getting there. They're getting closer. Last year, seventy-five point loss to Port Adelaide during the preseason, fifty-five odd point loss to Port Adelaide. So they're getting closer. I also tipped the power by six goals. Uh, I think Port Adelaide is going to be too strong, and Port Adelaide has shown this year, unlike other contenders, where they did slip up against a team that's significantly worse than them or should be significantly worse than them. Port Adelaide have taken care of business, you know, against North Melbourne. They took care of business against Essendon and they'll take care of business against the Crows as well. Would I be surprised if it would be a close game? No, because again, Adelaide, you know, it's a big deal in that town. You know, it's a big deal in the football world of showdown. And I'm looking forward to hopefully both teams by the time that the next showdown happens this year, uh, at least contending for finals football so that the AFL can finally put a showdown on Friday night. Like it's about time, AFL. What the hell is with this Saturday night? Just put it on Friday night football. Honestly, you'll get a big crowd regardless of where the teams are at on the ladder. Anyways, mini rant over. Uh, I think Port Adelaide by about six goals. On to Sunday. This game on paper should be a comfortable win to one team. But the problem for that team is that they cannot travel and they are traveling for this game. Hawthorne versus West Coast at the MCG in what could be a sneaky chance to be the game of the round. Eli, can the Eagles finally win a game outside of WA? Yep, we've got there by 20 points winning this one. Um, but I do think Hawthorne, same as same as them, they were flat, sort of flat last week and um, they need a response. So I expect them to come out firing, but West Coast would be too strong. Um, it was good to see uh, Loco used to play with Emerson Jecker debut over the weekend. Didn't uh, Probably didn't have the debut game that you would love, um, but it was good to see him getting a game after absolutely dominating the BFL. Um, big key four, you'll have to see it. Um, they've got a bit of an influx of them at the moment uh, between uh, him, Lewis and Kaczynski. So... Um, but I still sort don't of think they are, they're strong enough to, to go, go against that West Coast defence. Um, so, yeah, West Coast win this one by 20 points from mine. I'm tipping the Eagles to win, and I'm not feeling happy with it. I'm not happy with it. I'm tipping the Eagles to win away from WA, and it's risky. But if they cannot beat the Hawks on Sunday, then they will not win a game outside of WA this year. And you can forget about playing finals football. If you can't beat Hawthorne, even if it's away, then you might as well focus on 2022. And no offense, Hawthorne supporters, but you're probably thinking the same thing. Eagles by about 16 points. On to Sunday at Marvel Stadium, Sunday twilight uh, ish clash, I should say, at Marvel Stadium. The Bulldogs versus the Blues. Eli, the Blues finally won a game that they should have won against the Bombers. 
can they actually win against a premiership contender for the first time in forever, probably since they were last a premiership contender themselves, which, you know, was 350 million years ago. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll be very competitive, um, but I see the Bulldogs running out the game a bit, uh, bit better and winning by five goals. They'll probably be close up to three-quarter time and they'll probably have a sniff, um, but I think Bulldogs would just uh, enjoy the benefits of being a very strong side um, all round and then, yeah, just dominating the, the final portion of the game. Um, but yeah, Carlton have been good. Um, Harry McKay's been going very well. Kicks six on my boy Harris Andrews a few weeks ago, um, which only prompted him to uh, have a good game against Charlie Dixon. So um, I think he will challenge um, that Bulldogs defence, whether he gets Cordy or Keith. It should be, uh, should be interesting to see and that'll be a good matchup regardless. Um, but yeah, Bulldogs run this game out far stronger than the Blues for mine and yeah, win by five goals. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. Carlton supporters, we all know how it's going to happen. You're going to compete for about three quarters. Might even be in front for most of the game, but you're going Possibly. to have one bad quarter where the dogs are going to kick anywhere from four to six goals. Even if the dogs can't score against anyone except for the worst teams in the competition, you're going to have one lapse, one 20-minute lapse, and it's going to cost you, and you're going to lose by four goals. It's the Carlton way. It's the Carlton way. It happened against Richmond, happened against Collingwood. It happened against the uh, against the Lions, happened against Port Adelaide, and it's going to happen against the Dogs. Say la vie for you Carlton supporters. Welcome. You're no longer terrible. You're just mediocre. Welcome to mediocrity. On to the game that is now at the Gabba. Was at Opta Stadium. Now at the Gabba because of the situation in Perth. Brisbane versus Fremantle. Eli, can your Lions keep the party going? Um, so, yeah, I've got Brisbane winning this one. This is my bias. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've got Brisbane winning this one by seven goals. Um, again, that's my bias. But, um, yeah, I should see them. Now that the game's at the Gabba, it's going to be a very comfortable lead-up to the game. Um, should have Darcy Gardner back in um, and possibly Jerry Berry as well. But who they come in for, that's... I'm really not sure. I thought Tom Berry was quite stiff to be the uh, medical sub last week. Um, he's been playing some really good footy for us when he has come in. Um, but, yeah, I think we're just going to be too strong for the Dockers in the end. I agree with that one. I think Brisbane, this game could be a good game of football, though. The last two games between these two teams have been epic. Last year, Lions by a couple of goals at the Gabba in round two. Who can forget 2019, Michael Walters kicking the game winning behind after the siren in Perth to send the WA fans into delirium. But will the Dockers uh, provide the upset in Queensland? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I just think Brisbane's too good and they'll win. Should win comfortably. I'm tipping about 25, 26 points, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's another Ball burster, rip curler, nail biter, whatever other adjective you want to use that ends with ER to describe this game. It should be an absolute beauty. And with that, Eli, just want to ask you one last question. Pretty sure we mentioned this throughout the podcast, but just to just to you know add a little bit of you know closer, a little bit of closure for the episode. Which game are you most looking forward to? And which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout? 
Yeah, North Melbourne, Collingwood. I think that game's going to be the um, game of the round. Um, and not exactly for the football standard or the quality, um, but more the repercussions and the outcomes. Um, but in my blowout is Port Adelaide. That's the most likely because Brisbane could win by big margins as well. But yeah, Port Adelaide for mine. I'm tipping the power and over the crows is my blowout as well. As for the game of the round, goodness, there's so many to choose from. I'm tipping another Suns Saints classic up on the Gold Coast. It should be an absolute awesome game of football. Uh, who knows? Maybe it could come down to a battle of the Kings, which King is going to come out on top. We're going to get medieval up there on the Gold Coast in the battle between the Kings. But anyways, should be an absolute beauty. Eli, thank you so much for joining me. Wish you luck for your Lions on Sunday. Should be a good game. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Always good to have you on, mate. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. We started in my flat and now we're sitting on my staircase. Who knows? Maybe next week we might be outside. You know, who knows? Who knows? Keeping it nice and random on this podcast. Anyways, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Join me next week as I, with another podcast host, who will it be? Who knows? I don't even know at the moment. We'll discuss round eight and preview round nine and what promises to be yet another monster weekend of Australian rules football. Until then, adios.